0: I'm going to read three scriptures uh, from last week and then we'll kind of give a little bit of summary of what we've done in the last uh, two weeks and go straight into the message. 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 to 17. It says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Verse 15, 16 For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. Romans 8, 6-7 says, For to be carnally minded is death, period. Sometimes we just need to take a pause and let that sink in. To be carnally minded is death, spiritual death. So a Christian who has not crucified the flesh, who is still behaving, thinking and doing the things that unbelievers do or the things you were doing before you got saved that were not pleasing to the Lord, that person, that Christian is considered To be carnally minded. And the scripture says here, for to be carnally minded is death, spiritual death. But it says to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And why is carnality not good? It says because the carnal mind is enmity against God. So the Christian who has a carnal mind is an enemy of God, period. It's an enemy of God, period. He says, for it's not subject, that's the carnal mind. The reason why a carnally minded Christian is an enemy of God is because the carnal mind is not subject to the law of God. Nor indeed can it ever be. Philippians chapter 3 verse 9. And to be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith, in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. I will go back to this scripture when I talk about something towards the end. So we talked about last week that the reason we are doing what we are doing is for us, just like you go to a physician, a cardiologist, and have your heart checked, To see if there's anything wrong with your heart, if there's any blockage that needs to be taken care of. So also in our spiritual walk, we need to sometimes from time to time do a heart check. To see if Jesus is still in the center of your heart. If Jesus is still taking the place he's supposed to take in your heart. Because we live in a world that is very, very, very attractive to the flesh. We talked about the the lust of the flesh... Being that the the internal desires, the things that our flesh wants to do, that want to draw us away from the presence of the Lord. And in Galatians 5 verse 9, it lists the things of the flesh. Fornication, adultery, hatred, fighting, contentions, jealousy, anger, selfishness, dissensions, murder, envy, drunkenness. It goes on and on. So you know that if you're a Christian, when these things are happening to you or you're subject to these things, you're considered a carnally-minded Christian. And God says that's not what he wants. Because to conform to the image of the Lord, you have to be like Jesus. You have to be like Jesus. And it's something that you do daily. You need to Examine yourself daily and say, How do I improve on my walk with the Lord? How do I get better? Not allowing yourself to be condemned, but just challenging yourself to rise higher so that God can use you. So, we talked about the lust of the flesh. And today I'm going to go a little bit further to talk about the lust of the eyes. And as I read these scriptures, I want you to realize that. In the two scriptures we are going to do today, there are parables of Jesus. Jesus was talking to his disciples. And on the other one, Jesus was talking to the Pharisees. In Luke 12, uh, verses 13 to 20, I'm going to go through it real quick. Let me give you a little bit of background. This, before Jesus, this man spoke out of the crowd. Jesus was talking to his disciples and telling them that very soon you are going to go through persecutions. You are going to be dragged away. You are going to be uh, beaten. You are going to be put in, tr- in trouble for just speaking the gospel. And he said, but when that time comes, don't be troubled. Don't worry. The Holy Spirit will give you what to say when they put you before the judges or the jury or whatever it is. And then, verse 13 of Luke 12, Then from the crowd, somebody shouted a man, shouted from the crowd, Teacher! Tell my brother to divide inheritance with me. But Jesus said to him, Man, who has made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? And he turned and talked to his disciples, turned to them and said, Take heed and beware of covetousness. Take heed and beware of greed. This was now him turning to his disciples after this man interrupted him and rudely screamed out from the the crowd for Jesus to come and intervene and make sure his brother gives him his things. Then he said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, which is greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Your life is not what you have. Your life is who has you. I'm going to say that again. Your life is not your material things you have. Your car, your house, as good as they may be, your bank account, that is not what your life consists of. Your life consists of who is in the center of your heart, who is ruling your your life, and who you follow in everything that you do. And Jesus is telling them here, this man... I did not come to bring goods to men. I came to bring men to God. Who made me an arbitrator between you and your brother? Then he spoke this parable. He said to them, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Since I have no room to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. Just be counting the number of eyes. I will pull down my old barns and build greater ones. And there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid out for many years. Take your ease, drink, eat, and be merry. But God said to him, fool. When God calls you a fool, you are the biggest fool of all. God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be that you have worked so hard for? And God was talking to his disciples when he gave this parable. He says, Beware, be careful, take heed, the lust of the eyes. Here is a man that was blessed bountifully by god god gave the rain god held back the drought and this man had a bountiful harvest but what did he do god was completely out of the picture you didn't see anywhere here where he said oh god i thank you for blessing me not single not one time And Jesus is telling his disciples, beware of this kind of mind, this kind of attitude, this kind of a heart. Beware of it. And it's the same for us. Beware. Everything good comes from God. Everything you own comes from God. Your very breath comes from God. And the lessons we're learning from this man is that completely God was taken out of the picture. Not one time did he say, Lord, thank you for what you have given me. We should be careful not to be like this man. No matter how small it may seem, the very fact that you woke up that morning is enough to say, Lord, thank you for breath in my body. You might not have as much as Mr. B or Mr. C, but Lord, thank you for the little that I have. The one who gives thanks, Who acknowledges God in everything they do. That's the one that leaves themselves open for more blessings. You know and I know. If I give my child something and he doesn't tell me thank you, most likely I will not, especially if it's something very expensive. I give it to him and it's just like it's no big deal. I ain't giving you nothing again. I'm not going to spend my money to buy you anything of value like that again if you are not grateful. Ungrateful people never get blessed. You know that, I know that. If you have an employee you give a raise to, and they don't, it's just 25 more dollars an hour or whatever, or cents an hour, excuse me, be thankful for every little thing. This is what this man didn't do. He didn't go back to the Lord who gave him rain. The Lord who held back the the drought, he didn't give him thanks. And then secondly, he was as selfish and as self-centered as you can be. He didn't say, oh, I have this bountiful harvest. Let me call my neighbors and bless those that didn't have as good a harvest as I had. Let me go and see the widows or the orphans in my society that will need help for me to give to them. Let me see those in this society that are less, that are less, uh, as, don't have as much as I have, so I can bless them. All he was thinking of, oh, I have these bonds, I have all these goods, oh, I have more, let me break that down and build bigger ones to store all the stuff that I have. It was all about I, I will, I will, I, all about him. It was all about him. He was as selfish and as self-centered as ever. We have to be careful too. We have to be careful too. I told you the other day, I said the Bible is clear. One of the laws of the kingdom is this. You give and then it's given to you. It's a law that if you break it, that's what's going to happen. Like this man, what God called a fool. If you want to get, you have to give first. You can't come and expect God to always bless you, and bless you, and give to you, and give to you. But you never give to somebody. You never extend yourself, your time, your talent, your money. You never extend it to bless somebody else. It's always getting from somebody, getting for me, for me, for me. That was the problem with this man. He could have given all the old ones away, and still have enough to last. But he wanted all of it to himself. He wanted more stuff. He wanted more and more and more and more and more. When is it enough? That's a question everybody has to ask themselves. When is it enough? If you go to, the, if you go to Elon Musk today and ask him, do you think you have enough money? He will tell you no. And if you ask him, what, what is enough money? When are you going to feel like I have enough or a little bit more? That's, the, that's the, 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 the deceit in riches. And in somebody who is greedy and covetous, it's always a little bit more. A little bit more. And then you get there, that false sense that you had of satisfaction, once you have it, it goes away. And there's that drive to get a little bit more. If I get just a little bit more, I'll be more happy. If I, if I earn $1,000 more a month, I'll be happier. Then you earn $1,000 more, and then you have more things to spend the money on, and then it's another $1,000 more. That's the deceit of riches. God will bless us, believe me. God will bless us and God will give to us. But God only gives you because you are a steward, not an owner. Did you hear what I said? You are a steward of everything God gives you. Your life, your money, your children, your job, everything you have. You are not an owner. This man took ownership of what was not his. He was just a steward. God passes it through you for his kingdom, especially as a believer. Anything God gives you, is not for you. He's just giving it to you. To, you are going to give account for it. You are a steward of whatever he blesses you with. And this man wasn't aware of that. Self-centered. Selfish. And then he made the wrong assumption. He assumed that he had all these years to enjoy these riches he had stored up. M- making the wrong assumption. Nobody knows what tomorrow brings. Really. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. I was listening to a preacher the other day. He says, if you're 20 years old and God is co- going to call you home at 30... And you're thinking, I'm very, very... I still have a long time. You're pretty old now. If you're 50 years old and God is going to call you home at 90, you're pretty young. But the 20-year-old will see you and call you an old woman, not knowing that he or she is the old person. Makes sense? Nobody. Nobody. The Bible says life is like a vapor. It's here today. It's gone tomorrow. So here's this fool... Starting all the things and thinking he has all this number of years to live and god says you fool today i'm going to require your soul from you so we must live with that sense that you don't have you don't have you don't know what tomorrow will bring that today is what i have to make sure i do everything i have to do for my lord today is the day i have to pour out myself to my lord and do everything i can to the best of my ability So that when I go to bed that night, I'll say, Lord, I have done all I could have done for you today. That's what this man didn't do. He had an assumption that he was going to live long and enjoy. And God called him home that night. And then he was also a fool. (laughs) The biggest fool of all. Because he thought material things was priority. That's why God called him a fool. Because he put priority, so much priority on, on stuff. We're talking about the lust of the eyes. Wanting what the other person wants, has. If it's bigger and better, then you go for it, but you're not thinking of the kingdom of God, how to advance the kingdom of God with what He's blessed you with. We have a lot of things to do. We have a lot of things to do. Pastor Mike was talking about the TV program we have. It's $13,000 every three months for us to renew. We have that going. We have other things going. Think of that first. Think of the number of souls that have been saved. Six million people listen to us every Saturday and every Sunday. When God blesses you, think about that. Or say, okay, every month I'm going to give so much towards that. You, you are investing in souls. One day, you may never see them here. But one day in heaven, God will tell you, you know what? Because of this, of faithful giving, look at all the souls that were won. That is someone who, are, who has the kingdom of God. In their heart, in their mind. How can I give my time? What can I do to help in the work God is doing? Like I said, don't just be somebody who comes to church every Sunday. It's good that you're here, but find a place to serve. Give your time. It's not just money. Give your time. Give your talents. Amen? Then we are going to go to the pride of life. And I'm going to... The prodigal son is a story that... (laughs) We've always thought it was all about the younger son, right? How many of you always thought it was about the younger son? It's, it wasn't about the younger son at all. At all, at all. If you read this story if, uh, in Luke chapter 15 from verses 11 to 32, I'm not going to read all of that, but we know that the young son, the younger son, came to his dad and said, Father, I don't want to stay under your authority anymore. I don't want to live with you anymore. I want you to give me my money now. I want, to, I want my inheritance now. And I want to go spend it the way I like. I don't want to wait until you die. So he was selfish. He didn't want to be under authority. And his father gave him his part. And he left, went to a far country. That's a different sermon. Went to a far country, wasted all the money. Joined himself with the, the citizens of that country to the point when all the money was gone, he now had to be feeding pigs. And if you're, if you're a Jew, you know what that means. Jews and pigs don't mix. He had to be feeding the pigs and he said, in the, the Bible says he would have gladly eaten what the pigs were eating if he could. And then he came to himself. He came to himself. He went back home. The father received him. And he said, Father, I'm not worthy to be called your son. Treat me like a slave. The father said, No. You were lost and now you are found. Call, he said, Bring the fatted calf. Give him a ring. Give him a robe. Beautiful story of redemption. But that was not really what Jesus was talking about. If you read the beginning of Luke chapter 15, at this time, Jesus was beginning to get popular with the, with the Pharisees. They were beginning to invite him into their homes. And he would go into their homes, into their parties. But when he went, guess who followed him? The crowd, the sinners, the, the tax collectors would follow him. And if we read in first the, the, the first verse in chapter 15, the Pharisees were mad. And they went to Jesus and said, Please, we don't want all these tax collectors and sinners around us here. Don't you know who these people are that are around you? Don't you know who this person is? That's, that's in church, that's here wanting to be part of us, they're not good enough. They are gay, they are lesbian, they are this. They, they shouldn't be here among God's the, the good ones. And Jesus told them a parable, said, if you, if you had a hundred sheep and one God loves, you will go find that one, put that sheep on your shoulder, and you will rejoice. And They said, yeah, we will do that one percent of your hundred sheep is lost you're going to go look for him look for it and then this woman loses out of 10 coins that she has she loses one which is 10 percent she gets the lamp and she goes sweeps under every every chair sweeps under the bed everywhere to get that one coin And she gets the coin, she calls all her neighbors, and they rejoice and they're happy because she was able to retrieve one coin that was missing, which is 10%. So he went from 101, which is 1%, to 101, which is 10%. And then he now said, this father had two sons. One was lost. So we've gone from 1 to 10 to 50. He had only two of them. And one is missing. One is gone. And the father is rejoicing because this one has come back home. This one that was lost has come back home, is saved. Has, he's put his robe of righteousness on him. He's put the ring of authority on his finger. He's given him the best, giving him the fatted calf. The best. And the older son. The story is about the older son. The older son does not understand. The Pharisees do understand that you can rejoice over 1% of your sheep. You can rejoice over 10% of your coins. But you cannot rejoice over 50% of the father's children that are lost. That was what the story is about. It was about the older brother. And how many of us are like that? Pride. Spiritual Pride religiosity, where I'm the, I'm, I, I do everything right. Because that's what he said here in verse 25. Now his oldest son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked, what these things meant? And the servant said to him, your brother has come back home. And because he has received him, your father has received him safe and sound, Your father has killed the fatted calf, but he was angry and would not go in because God was blessing somebody who is not as good as himself. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So he said to his father, Lord, all these years I have been serving you. I have never transgressed against your commandment at any time and yet you have never given me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. Lord, I've kept all the rules. God, I've been in church all my life. God, I've never done anything to disobey you. I preach the gospel, I talk to people, I'm in church. And yet, this unbeliever that we all know is a sinner comes in, and you are blessing him. And here I am. I don't have anything from you. Or, I've been blessing you, I've been serving you, and you allowed this to happen to me? What have I done to deserve this? After I have served you faithfully, I've done everything you've asked for me to do for years, and you dare allow me to have this diagnosis? And you dare allow me to go through this? That was the pride. That was the attitude. That was the syndrome of the older brother. How many of us? We might not do it in church. In our prayer time, do we raise our fist to the Lord and say, how dare you? How dare you? How dare you do this to me? After all I've done for you, after all I've served you, how many years I've served you, how dare you do this to me? You see now, it was never about the younger brother. The younger brother knew he had messed up. He knew he was a prodigal. And he came home. He came home. He made it. He came back home. But the other brother that was home all this time never really knew what he was there for. Never really knew his place in the Lord. He felt entitled. How dare you give the fatted calf to this is your son who's wasted all your money. Here I am. You've never given me. Ask and you shall receive. Did he ask? And the father said no. You see the religious spirit? You see the pride? He said as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the catted fat, a cow for him. And the father said, Son, you are always with me. And all I have is yours. It was right that we should be happy. We should be merry and be glad. For your brother was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. The older brother syndrome. That's what religion is about. That's what spiritual pride is about. When it's about the works. Remember, no one can be saved by the works that you do. No one. You have fruits of righteousness. When you get saved, God expects you to bear fruits. But if you ever think what you are doing for God entitles you to talk to God anyhow, you are sadly mistaken. You are sadly mistaken. And we, as God begins to use you, each and every one of you, don't think because God is using you. Don't think because God has put you in a position. Don't think because you have served him. Don't think that you can talk to God and ask questions. There are two ways. Mary asked, Jesus, um, asked the angel, How will this be since I have, no, I have not known any man? She was not questioning God. She was just asking a question. They are very different. Questioning God and asking a question are two different things. This son, older son, was questioning God. How dare you do this? I did this, I did that, and you didn't do this for me. Mary just said, Lord, I, want, I be it done to me according to your word. But how would this happen since I know no man? She asked a question, and the, Holy Spirit, the angel gave a clarification. But as believers, especially us, that have served God for a long time, never, never, never take that position that because you serve God, you, he d- you deserve or He's mandated. No. You still have to follow the laws. You still have to ask and it shall, you shall receive. There are principles, there are laws of the kingdom that we, all of us, we still have to follow. Pride is when a believer has a religious spirit that sees himself better than other people. I pray, oh, I pray, I speak in tongue. You, you don't do that. So I'm superior to you. That is the greatest pride of all. Or somebody comes in. I remember one time we were having a women's meeting and we invited a young lady. And She came in here and she was wearing, I mean, shirts of the shirts of the sh- It was short. And when she when she hugs you, you I mean, and some, uh, rightly so because even me, anytime she hugs somebody, I would just cringe because you, you could you could see everything, and rightly so. I don't know if, if we, one of the ladies came and said, "This is just too much. Can we please get one of this red um, stuff we use when people fall?" to tell her to tie it around. <laughs> to tie it around. I said, no, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. She would just feel very, um, picked on, you know. So we had that women's meeting. Everybody, and it was a big, we had a lot of ladies here. She was invited. It was such. But this young woman came to church the next day. Still was something very revealing, very, very, you know. But she wasn't a church, ma- she wasn't brought up in church. She didn't know that there's a way, you know, that it was acceptable to her. We loved her, we accepted her, you know. A year later, she was now she was a worker in the church, on fire for the Lord. And all those things naturally fell away as she knew the Lord. So, as believers, when God is using you, you are going to meet some people. We are not better than we are just. We are just saved. We've just had the privilege of hearing the Lord when he spoke to our hearts and we responded. Those people may not have the opportunity just yet. Don't write anybody off. Don't write anybody off. There's a young man now that I uh, told you is trying to bring to church. Uh, just a lot of things surrounding that and you know, he's not sure what he, he, he is, whether he's a man or a woman. Or not. And some people are thinking, no, we don't want uh, that kind of person around our kids. We want, that kind of, we, we want that kind of person around our kids. We want them to come and see what we have put in our kids. We want him to come uh, uh, and see that this lifestyle, as, as young as he is, is not the best way to go. That you will not giving peace. We need, we need to bring him in. That's what the Pharisees were doing here. How dare you allow these sinners, how dare you allow these tax collectors into our home, into our presence. We are too clean for them. And God called them whitewashed graves. That's what he called them. That's the pride I'm talking about. The prodigal son was never about the younger son. Jesus was addressing the republic as... Did I say that? I didn't mean that, I didn't mean that I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that I just came out. I'm not that. I'm not Did I say that? Anyway, Jesus was addressing the Pharisees. That came out wrong. That came out wrong. Never have that feeling of I deserve better. Never have that feeling that uh, I've served God all these years. Why is this happening to me? God allows every one of us to go through. Anything that he allows you to go through, whether it's suffering, trouble, trials, like I've said here before, is because it's a new season he's taking you to. Any new season, any new level, any new class, requires an exam and you will be tested to see if you've learned from what you were doing before in your old class before you can be promoted so when God allows things to happen to you don't shake your finger at God don't question you can ask God in a way but no questioning because God knows what he's doing amen this older brother was not enjoying all the blessings, being in the presence of God all the time. That was the, huge, that was the greatest blessing. The fact that you can come into his presence like we did this morning during praise and worship. The fact that we have that privilege of coming in effortlessly into his marvelous presence. He didn't recognize that. He was in his father's presence, but he didn't enjoy All the blessings in his father's presence. He was spiritually distant. He didn't know that he could go in and ask the Lord or ask the father for whatever he wanted. If he had gone and asked the father for the fatted calf, guess what? He would have given it to him. Whatever you need as a child of God, go to him. He will give it to you. If it's not to consume it on your loss, like the Bible says in James, God will give it to you if it's for the advancement of the kingdom. If it's for the good of the kingdom, God, he says, if he did not withhold his only son, how much more? He will not withhold anything from you. The older son never ever went to the Lord, his father, to ask for anything. He was in the presence of, uh, of his father, yet he was so spiritually distant from him. The freedom, the blessings that we have as children of God. Let us focus on that all the time. Good or bad. Whatever happens, whatever doesn't happen. We are privileged to be called children of the Most High God. And it's our job when we see those who are lost. God sees them as half, half of His family. We should rejoice when they come in. We shouldn't look down on anybody like the Pharisees did. Stand up on your feet this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I truly believe God is speaking to all of us. This series I've done about Jesus being in the center or reintroducing us to Jesus is really been for us to go back to the beginning. Go back, every one of us here that is saved, go back to the beginning. Let the love you have for the Lord that you had before when you got saved. If He's beginning to dim, if He's beginning to get cold, please, please, get back into His presence. Take all those things out and make sure Jesus is back in the center of everything you do. Let Him be Lord of your life. Give him space, give him him your heart. Because for him to use us, all of us, we have to be completely emptied of ourselves. And that's what he's asking of us this morning. As you close your eyes and bow your heads in this place, if there's anyone here who has never asked Jesus into your heart as the Lord and your Savior, that is the beginning. You have to hear him today telling you, I'm knocking. I'm knocking in your heart, and I want you to open the door for me. If that's you here today, just lift your hand. Let's pray with you. If you've never accepted Jesus as the Lord and Savior, I see one hand. I see one hand. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And everybody just say after me, Dear Lord Jesus, I accept you today as my Lord and Savior. Father, I invite you to come into my heart. And take your place. Be the Lord. Be the master of my life. I surrender my life to you today. Have it all. In Jesus name. Amen. And I want all of us. Like I've done this series. I want every one of us to raise our hands. Me included. We refuse to have the older brother syndrome. I decree and declare that will not be part of our lives. We will not feel entitled. A sense of entitlement. No. God owns us. God owns you. God owns you. You belong to him. And he will do what he will with your life. All he asks is that you surrender today. So Father God, we surrender our lives to you. We surrender our lives to you, God. We, we ask you, Lord, to be the center, the center of our hearts, the center of our lives. Let everything we do reflect Christ. Let everything we say reflect Christ. Let all our neighbors, all our friends, all our co-workers, all our family members truly know that you are the Lord of our lives. Father, we thank you today. We thank you, oh God, for the lessons today. Father, let us always be thankful to you for whatever you bless us with. Let us be thankful. Thankful for the life that we have. And Father, let us know, oh God, that we are in your presence and we can ask anything of you. Not like the older brother who was in the presence of God but never knew all the blessings that were his. Let us know what belonged to us and let us ask and receive with faith. Because you are good all the time. To you be all the praise. To you be all the glory. Lord I bless your people this day. Lord I pray that this week will be a glorious week. That your favor will go before them. That your favor will surround them like a shield. That they will have favor with men. As they have had favor and as they continue to have favor with you. Open doors that no man can close. Oh pour your blessings upon your people this week. Let there be testimonies to the glory of your name. And we will not be careful, Lord, to give you all the praise and all the glory. And the people of God said, Amen and Amen. Give him a clap offering.